listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Give him a shout of praise with everything that you have in you this morning. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, welcome to Venice Church. It is a good day to be in the house of God. Amen. Yeah, you can go ahead. If you want to keep going, celebrating, that's all right with me. You know, the table is an interesting thing. Because in my life and in my experience and from what I see in Scripture, the table is more than just a piece of furniture. Um, I don't know how you grew up, but I grew up from time to time. Probably we should have done it more than we did, but, but we would gather around a table. Anybody else grow up gathering around a table? And it was more than just a piece of furniture in most of our homes. Like when you gathered around the table, it was a, it was a special thing. But it was also could be like a normal thing. Like it was more than just a place that you would have a meal. It's where you would do your homework. Come on, somebody. We sold a table one time that still had pencil etchings of where I tried to learn algebra. <laughs> tried to learn because the devil invented math. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's also this place, you know, where, where there were, it wasn't just you'd have a meal. It was times when you, when you came in after curfew and mom and dad were sitting there and said, pull up a chair. <laughs> Amen. Come on, somebody. But when you think about it, like, I have a lot of memories gathered around a table. There, I mean, there's... There's really nothing better than sitting around a table with really good food and people that you love. Y'all got to talk to me today. You going to preach with me? Like it's just something special about gathering around a table and sharing a meal and you talk and you laugh and you enjoy each other's company. And it's just, it's just a unique thing. And in and, and our culture, maybe it's getting lost more and more. I've been t- talking to my wife like we, we need to do a better job at gathering around the table as a family because over a meal we can talk and we can look each other in the face and have important conversations that need to be had. And it's not just about decisions, but it's how's your day and how's life and how's things going because it's really easy as a people to get disconnected, isn't it? And a table gives you that opportunity. But like you think about, um, it's a place of, of, of celebration. Like we barely have a holiday as a culture that don't involve food. Like come on. I mean, like, it doesn't matter. It like, Groundhog Day, let's eat. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, think about, like, like, Thanksgiving. We gather around the table as a family, and there's just this big spread of food. And even at Christmas and birthdays, and, and like, it's July 4th week. And for us, that's one of the, like, I, I will come closer to eating myself into a coma this week. Because we go down to my wife's families, and it's fun. For us, the fourth is about a lot of food and fireworks. I'm not talking about the sissy fireworks we sell in North Carolina. I'm talking about blow your face off kind of fireworks. Um, and, and, and my son, we have a blast. But what, like, when we go down to Ashley's families, like, it, we call it meat fest. Because like, if you can kill it and eat it, they got it. Like if you do Fourth of July with hamburg, hamburgers and hot dogs, you're a lightweight. I'm talking about chicken and ribs, and smoked sausage, and brisket. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's a meal, man. But, like, that's what we do as a family. Like, even if there's something to celebrate, we, we, we gather around a table and we, and we share a meal. And it's not, also, it's not just a place, like I said, of celebration. It's a place of correction where I've sat down at a table with my kids or as a kid with my parents, and, and we had conversations about, about life and, and what we needed to do. And, like, it's, it's over a meal that so much happens and so I think sometimes we almost feel guilty about it, don't we? It's like, oh, we eating again? Yep, that's what we do. But you know what I've learned? We get it from Jesus. So I'm about to make you feel better. Like, like this is, we, we you live, love, and eat like Jesus. That's going to be our new mission. <laughs> because so much of Jesus, so much of Jesus' life was so centered around food. Look at what, like, like what it says in the book of Matthew. Go to Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, verse 19. Matthew 11, verse 19. You ready? You with me? Say amen. It says, the son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. That's so, Jesus spent so much of his earthly life and earthly ministry, eating and drinking, he got the label glutton and drunkard. I want, go look through the Gospels at some point. Read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, especially the Gospel of Luke. And what you will find is Jesus is either heading to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. I love Jesus. Makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. Like so much of Jesus' ministry was him pulling up a chair. And every time Jesus pulled up a chair, he had a purpose. And you notice, like they even point out, like it wasn't just that he came eating and drinking. It wasn't that just he was pulling up a chair. It was the people that he pulled up chairs with that bothered folks. It wasn't just that he spent a lot of time around the table. It was the people that were in the other seats that the religious people found very confusing. They didn't like it. It says, here he is eating and drinking a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That just the reality that Jesus pulled up a chair wasn't necessarily what bothered the religious people. It was who he shared the table with that upset them. Because when Jesus pulled up a chair, he, he wasn't exclusive in the people that he sat at the table with. Basically, it, he would give invitations often, and often he would receive invitations. And when Jesus got an invitation, he rarely turned it down. And what bothered the religious people is they would see Jesus pulling up a chair at a table, and when they saw the people that Jesus was sitting with, they thought it was crazy that he would share a table with people like that. And now, first of all, you got to understand, like, like, a meal in our culture is a big deal, but it was an even bigger deal in Jesus' culture. Because when they sat around a table, they sat around a table. I mean, we're... we're we're a culture that eats on the run. I could go out in the parking lot right now and find a McDonald's bag in the floorboard of at least seven cars. 
Like if I ask you, like how many, how many drive-throughs that you hit, like it's not, it's just about, like, like let's go. We're running late, let's hit a drive-through. But like in Jesus' culture, like, like they didn't have that. And so when they, would, when they would gather around the table, it would probably be for like hours. Like kind of like we do when we have our celebrations. You know, like have you ever just gone to a restaurant where they had to kick you out? Because you just gathered around the table with people that you love and you just shared a really good meal and you laugh and you talk and you order like appetizers and then the main course. Some of y'all are like, I hadn't had breakfast. Would you please shut up? You want a bite? Okay. But like when Jesus would, 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 would sit down at a table and he would pull up a chair, it would be a lengthy process. He would be sitting and conversating and talking and, and, and investing in and listening to these people for hours. And like you didn't just eat with anybody. Like there weren't restaurants. Like when you had a meal, you had it in your home and it was really close-knit people that you loved, that you cared about, family, close friends. And it was a very special and unique time. And so when the religious people are being freaked out that Jesus is eating with this people, it's because they, they knew that basically when you sat down at the table, you were validating the people that you were sitting around with. You with me? Say amen. amen. You were acknowledging value in the people that sat in those chairs because you're just about, you're about to give up hours of your life and you don't do that for just random people and like it was it was kind of messy like it, it would be like a like nobody's coming in with plates and forks and putting a napkin in your life and drinking with your pinky up and all that kind of nonsense like it was messy I mean people people would probably double dip <laughs> and so when the religious people saw this one that supposedly was the Messiah. When they saw this Jesus who made all these claims about himself pull up a chair with such unworthy people, it confused them. And they wanted to know often why. They would ask his disciples, hey, why, why does that guy you're following around, why does he eat with people like that? Does he not know who they are? And I will submit to you, it, yes, every single time Jesus pulled up a chair, he knew exactly who he was eating with. Because every meal had a message. Every time Jesus sat down for a meal, he had a message. It wasn't random. It wasn't coincidence. It wasn't without purpose. He pulled up a chair with purpose. And he had a message for every person that he sat down with. See, because for Jesus, this wasn't just a meal. This wasn't just a, a, like, let's get my belly full. Let's, let's nourish myself. For Jesus, he pulled up a chair and he saw an opportunity because he saw potential in the people that he pulled up a chair with. Come on. And so what I want to do today is I want to invite you to pull up a chair. Today, we're going to, the whole point of today is to invite you to gather around the table with Jesus and have a meal and listen to the message that he has for you. And here's the cool thing. This, this meal, this table you have a seat. You have a seat at this table. 
like because of who Jesus is and because of what he's done and because we've what we've watched him do when he lived and had ministry on this earth, there is not a single person in this room that's disqualified from a place. Let me just, can I just show you? Look at, let's go to the Gospel of Luke. If you've got it, pull, Gospel of Luke, I want to show you the kinds of people that he ate with and the kind of messages that these meals had. See, he often would sit down with people that were considered outcasts in society. And to the outcast, he offered recognition. To the outcast, he offered recognition. Like we see him sit down at the table with people that other people would not sit down with because they had a job or a position or a mistake or something that put them out on the fringes of society. We see two specific instances where he sits down with people that were called tax collectors. One was a guy named Levi. Levi, one day he's at his tax collecting booth and he's draw, and basically at this time the nation of Israel was under Roman rule and they had to pay taxes to Caesar just to go about life. And what would happen is people that were of the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, to get a job, to pay, to pay their bills, to, to fend for their family, they would take jobs as tax collectors for the Roman government and they'd sit at these tables and their fellow brother and sister Jews would come by and have to pay taxes to Rome. And can you imagine, like, if you were a tax collector, you were a sellout. Like, how could you be standing here taking this money from this people that, we, that, that shouldn't even be involved in our affairs? So the moment you took that job, even though maybe you had to because it was the only way that you could pay the bills, your family would consider you an outcast. You were done. You were out there. And Jesus walks up to Levi and basically looks Levi in the face and says, Levi, this is not what you're meant to do. I've got a plan for you. Will you follow me? And Levi knew there was something unique about Jesus, and he responds, and he says yes. And in that response, he does what any good old southern boy would do. He throws a feast. Look at verse 29 of Luke chapter 5. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. So here Jesus calls Levi, and Levi is so moved that Jesus has poured out to him, that Jesus has seen him, recognized him, saw the potential that he could have, that he throws this big banquet at his home, and he invites all his tax collector buddies. So if it wasn't bad enough that Jesus hang, was hanging out with this one tax collector, Levi, he's having a banquet of tax collectors. It's Jesus and the entire IRS. <laughs> and the Pharisees, those super religious people, don't like it. Look at what they say. Look at verse 30. It says, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Like how, Jesus, why would you pull up a chair with those people? And I love Jesus' response. It says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, when Jesus, when he sat down, and reclined at Levi's table, and he looked at Levi in the eye, and who knows, I'd love to have been there and heard the conversation and, and been able to understand. Like he's saying, Levi, like I see you. 
Like I know that you've been ignored probably by people that were supposed to love you because of some of the things that you've done and the path that you've chosen and somewhere along the way you've been pushed out at the fringes but I'm gonna come and I'm gonna dine at your table so that you can see me for who I am and so I can speak into your life and unleash the potential that still lies in who you are. See, Levi, like his friend Zacchaeus, who you see later on in Luke chapter 9. I'm not, it's going to be on the screen, but you, you remember the story. You sang, you sang the song, you're little. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in that sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. So I grew up in church. And Jesus does the same thing with Zacchaeus. And you've got to understand, like, like because of what they had done, they were no longer welcome at tables that they used to sit at. Like the moment they made that decision to be a tax collector, more than likely their families would have said, you no longer have a seat at our table. I'm not going to let somebody who does that for a living and does that in that way have a seat here any longer. And so like Levi and Zacchaeus, they probably, they didn't gather around the table in all these festivals and the Passover and the traditions and the celebrations and the feasts they would have, they, they were no longer there. And I just wonder, maybe there's some people like that in this room. Like you're that outcast because somewhere along the way you made a decision that maybe mama didn't agree with or daddy didn't understand or your family thought was the wrong thing and somewhere along the way they wrote you off and they kicked you out and they pushed you out and they said because you've done that, you no longer have a seat. And Jesus is walking in and says, I still see you. And you still have a seat at my table. I still see you. And I'm still willing to pull up a chair with you. Yeah, I, I know you did that. And I don't care. Let's gather around the table and let's eat, and let's talk. That's what Jesus did then, that's what he's doing now. He's looking at the outcast and he's saying, you know what, you still have a chair. Come on, you still have a chair. It wasn't, wasn't just the outcast either. You also him sit down with people who were, who were overwhelmed. And to the overwhelmed, he offers rest. I think about story, there's these two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Jesus is going to their house for a meal, it appears, to gather around, and, and look, look how it unfolds in, in Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, look at verse 38. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So they're having this meal, and, 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 and I can just, this is what I just picture in my mind. Y'all can give me some liberty? Okay, cool. Like, they're having, like, these appetizers, and Jesus and his disciples are sitting down and kind of doing their thing, and, 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 and Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus, and Jesus is eating his grapes. I've been wanting to eat one of these all day. Eating his grapes and doing his thing. But Martha, verse 40, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, to Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. See, here they, she has this moment to just relax and experience the presence of Jesus. But she got so consumed 
by all the things that she thought she had to do. And look at what Jesus says, verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and I will not, it will not be taken away from her. It says, Martha, like you missed it. You've had an opportunity just to have a seat and feast on the meal that I have. And that meal is not bread and vegetables and fruit. It's the very words that I'm speaking into her life right now. But somewhere along the way, you thought that you had to just get your mind so cluttered on all the things that you believe to be important that you're missing an opportunity to really have a feast in this moment. And I wonder, I just wonder how many people walk into this building every single Sunday and we put out a meal before you. A feast of the word of God. For he is the bread of life. And his word is where we find nourishment. But you walk in this room and you're just like Martha. You're so worried and upset about many things. That you come in here Sunday after Sunday and you don't leave nourished. Not because you didn't come in hungry. But because your mind and your heart were so cluttered with what you have to do out there. That you've missed what he has in here. That Sunday after Sunday, God prepares a feast for us, not to nourish our bellies, but to nourish our souls. But we're worried about our kids and the financial stuff we have going on and all these other things that during the music, all you can think about is, did I turn the coffee pot off? We have a Keurig, it doesn't matter. You got something like we're, 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 the devil's just allowing your mind to be cluttered with stuff that it's not that it's not important and not that it doesn't matter. Well, Jesus, what, Jesus wasn't saying that what you're thinking about is important, isn't important. He's saying it's not as important as what you can get right now. And sometimes we confuse urgent with important. And he says, just come. Martha, slow down and pull up a chair. And he's saying the same thing to you. You feel overwhelmed, bogged down by all the stuff that you have to do in this life. That's fine. But right now, in this moment, in this, this is not an auditorium. It's a banquet hall. Where Sunday after Sunday, we prepare a table. And you get a chance to pull up a chair and feast on the word of God in a way that will nourish your soul. It wasn't just the outcast, and it wasn't just the overwhelmed, and it wasn't always a comfortable conversation that Jesus had at the table because sometimes he sat down with the religious. And to the religious, he offered rebuke. See, not, you ever been at one of those meals and it gets awkward? Come on. Like somebody says something, or like, you know, if somebody starts talking about politics or something crazy, and next thing you know, it's like, Okay, meal's over. Check. There's times when Jesus would, would sit down with these Pharisees. See, again, like Jesus didn't just sit with the outcast and the overwhelmed, the broken, and the needed, the people who needed him. He was willing to sit down with the religious people too. The people that they thought they had it all figured out, and they thought if they checked all the right boxes and they did all the right things, that somehow God would be honored and pleased and things would work out well. He sat down with the Pharisees as well. And you see this happen. Look at Luke chapter 11. 
Luke chapter 11, verse 37. It says, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he, recli- he, so he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. Then the Lord said to him, So then, now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Now let me unpack what just happened here. Jesus sits down at a meal, and Jesus wasn't trying to be gross or disgusting. Jesus was trying to pull out a very ob- a big ob- uh, observation. He sits down, and the first thing they notice is, Jesus didn't wash his hands. <laughs> Y'all see that? He just put his hand in the salsa, and he did not wash his hands before the meal. <laughs> and Jesus is saying, what's happening here is a reflection of a bigger problem that you have, Mr. Religious Man, is you are so consumed with appearances. You are so consumed with looking good on the outside because you think that looking good on the outside in a way that impresses everybody and makes everybody think you have it together will make up for the real brokenness that exists on the inside. And he said, here's the problem. No matter how much you pretty up the outside, there's something inside of you that's broken that only I can fix. And you will never be clean no matter how pretty your clothes or how sparkling your hands until you allow the sin that's keeping you from really being who God wants you to be to be dealt with. And he says the same one that made all that exterior body that you have is the one who created the soul inside of you and only he can purify that soul and allow you to live the way God wants you to live. See, sometimes Jesus pulls up at a chair and it ain't all roses and comfortable. It's correction and rebuke. And maybe you're here and like, Jesus is saying, pull up a chair because I need to correct something that you've gotten wrong. That you've been living outside of what you know I've really said and know what I really want for your life. And we need to talk about it. Like you can, it's cool that you're at church. Great, doesn't mean you're going to heaven. You can sit in this room every Sunday till the day you die, and it does not mean that you're going to go to heaven. Because people who go to church don't go to heaven. People who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ are the people that go to heaven. And what Jesus is saying, like, hey, hey, you who, who, who have been going through the motions all this time, who've been playing Christian for all these years, have a seat because we need to have a conversation. Because you looking like that and doing all these things and going through these motions, like that's not what I want for you. So have a seat at the table. Pull up a chair. And let's talk. Jesus came eating and drinking and every meal had a message and he used these meals to speak truth in their lives. And you know, there's, there's, there's a thing that we know that, that we're getting to in a minute called the Last Supper. But the Last Supper that Jesus had was not the last meal that Jesus had. It's funny that Jesus didn't stop eating and drinking when he died and rose from the dead. Even on the other side of the resurrection, Jesus kept on eating. Like, he had meals after the resurrection. Like, you see, when he, when he raises from the dead and he appears before his disciples, most often he, bu- he busts open a meal. Like, I'm here, let's eat. 
I've risen from the dead and I'm hungry. Rising from the dead will, make, will, will increase your appetite. Like really, the, one of the last things that we see Jesus do before he ascends into heaven, he, he has a meal. But one of those most beautiful meals that happens post-resurrection is the one that he has with Peter. Because it's a reminder, not only does he have a seat for the outcast and the overwhelmed and the religious who are misguided, but he also has a very special seat at the table for the broken. See, before he ascends back to heaven, you know what he does with his buddy Peter? He has a meal. That's right, Peter. The one who three different times, just like Jesus said he would, denied even knowing him. As Jesus is going through his arrest and he's headed to the cross, just like Jesus said, he has people approach him like, hey, I recognize you. Pretty sure you were with Jesus. He says, no, not me. You got the wrong guy. Another time, like, that guy was with Jesus, right? Not me. You got the wrong person. And the third time, if you read the Bible, it actually says he let a cuss word fly. It says he curses and says, you've got the wrong, like vehemently denying that he knows him. And I, I just believe that as he watched what Jesus, and if you read through the Gospels and you see Jesus go through the cross and the, all that kind of stuff, you can tell Peter, like the, the burden and the brokenness he feels, that I can't believe I did that. Nobody in this room's ever done that before. Nobody's ever had that moment. You're thinking, I can't believe I did that. You're like, on the way here, I did that. But look what happens. Jesus, knowing full well all this thing, he finds Peter doing what most of us do when we made a mistake. We retreat to the familiar, and he goes back to fishing, which was his former profession, and he catches this big catch. John 21 says, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. And check out verse 12. Jesus said to them, come on, let's have breakfast. Jesus said, hey, Peter, pull up a chair. And over this meal, look what happens. It says, Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Verse 15, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Like, do you love me more than, than and this is, can I give you my, t I think what he's saying is, do you love me more than doing this? Don't you love me more than fishing? Don't you love the life you had with me more than the life you had before me? You with me? Say amen. Like, don't you love me more than this fish, more than this, more than this catch, more, like as, as, as excited as you got about such a big catch. Wouldn't you agree that hanging out with me the last three years and seeing all that I had done was so much better than just this? And he says, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my lambs. And if, that, if that's the case, if you do love me, feed my lambs. Now, that, that phrase, in light of all that we just talked about, has a lot more meaning in my heart all of a sudden. He says, if you love me, then feed my lambs. Like, if, if, if you love me, then, then continue to give 
a place and a space for where you go and you go to other people just like I have done and you pull up a chair with them and you give them the bread of life. Just as you saw me pull up a chair, so you pull up a chair. Offer a table to everybody that you encounter and make sure that you allow anybody who God brings in your path to have a seat at it. And don't give them this fish and don't give them this bread. Give them the bread of life that you've seen in me over the last three years. Like if you really love me, create an opportunity for people to feast on me and who I am. That will now forever be your mission, Peter. And so that's why today, I say pull up a chair. We're gonna set the table and invite you to eat. But to take part in the meal that Jesus offered to everyone. See, to the outcast, he offered recognition. And to the overwhelmed, he offered rest. And to the religious, he offered rebuke. And, and to the broken, he offered restoration. But to everyone, he offered a reminder. See, before he had that breakfast, he had this meal in the upper room where they celebrated the Passover, where Jesus took these guys up into this room to celebrate this meal that commemorated the moment that Lamb's blood was shed to make sure it would save the children of the nation of Israel as they were being set free for Egypt. And he says, this is a meal you've had a, your entire life. Every year, y'all would celebrate the Passover, but I'm about to change things. From now on, when you eat the Passover, you're not going to remember you coming out of Egypt. You're going to remember something new and more beautiful than ever before. And he took common elements that were part of that meal and he gave them new meaning and new purpose as he picked up the bread. And he said, this bread, it represents my body that will be broken for you in your salvation. Take and eat. And then Jesus grabbed the cup, another common element of this Passover feast. He says, this is the cup, but this is not the cup of the old covenant, it's the cup of a new covenant. And this, this wine, this juice, it represents my blood, which will be shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Take and eat. And he says, basically, do this in remembrance of me. That when you gather together as the people of God, invite people to pull up a chair and serve them the most significant meal mankind will ever know of. The bread and the wine, the body and the blood. Because see, all the other things that you will eat will eventually cause you to go hungry again. All the other things that you ever feast on to quench the appetite that you were created with will always leave you wanting more. The only thing that will satisfy the longing of your soul is the body and the blood. So the table is set. And Jesus, Jesus is here. And he's reclining at the table and he's calling to every person in this room, have a seat. And this meal, once again, has a message. That God when we eat this meal, it's a reminder of who he is and what he's done, but I think there's layers to it. I think there's something always that God wants to speak into your heart. So in just a moment,
Our host team is going to come and serve you communion where you are. You're going to have the body and blood in your hands. And I'm going to invite you to realize that you're not sitting in a room right now. You're pulling up to the table with the creator of the universe, the son of God who died for your sins, and he has a message for you in this meal. And I don't want you to miss it. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me as our host team comes. Just a moment, they're going to begin serving you. And we're going to worship the Lord this morning. Maybe you're the outcast. Maybe you walked in this room feeling like the outcast, feeling disconnected and separated from him. And God is trying to say through this meal, remember, I see you. I saw you enough to die for you. Or maybe you're overwhelmed and you're so burdened and you're so heavy and you just be reminded if he can overcome death, he can overcome the problem you're facing right now. Or maybe you're here and somewhere along the way you got misguided and you got off track and God needs to speak some correction and rebuke over your life, drawing you back into his will and his way. Maybe you're just completely broken and you need to allow these elements to remind you of the healing power that God has. This second, I'm going to pray, and then our host team is going to begin to pass the baskets with the elements. You'll peel the top layer off, which will give you the crack of the blood, the, the body, and the juice beneath it, which will represent the blood of Jesus. And I remind you the importance and value of this meal. Scripture tells us not to take it lightly, and if you don't believe in it and you don't trust in it, then you shouldn't partake. But if you're ready to make that decision, maybe for the first time you eat this meal with true meaning. Father, I pray that right now you'd speak in our midst. God, every time you sat down for a meal, you had a message. And God, today, as we take this most important meal, whatever message you have for us, God, we're ready to receive it. Speak to hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.